the blast from our past network. Card right? Card right? Hello, Newman. This is so good. No soup for you. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a regifter. Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld because we love Seinfeld for eight freaking seasons, y'all. I'm Adam. I'm Corey, y'all. <laughs> y'all what? You're making fun of my y'all? I, you know what? It wasn't an intentional making fun of, but it just went that way. And you know what? I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I am super excited. I'm as, as excited as uh, two rats fucking in a wool sock. Uh, that's a southern expression that nobody will Okay. Yeah. Well, usually it's 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 as hot. It's as hot as two rats fucking in a wool sock is what you say. Not as excited. But that's exciting, too. Anyway, we are talking season eight, episode one, starting off the latest season, or not the latest, the, the penultimate season. I think that's like your favorite word. You say that all the time. Uh, penultimate season of Seinfeld, The Foundation. It aired September 19th, 1996. Corey, I want that synopsis. Yeah, buddy. The Foundation. Following the death of their daughter, the Rosses establish a foundation in Susan's memory and ask George to sit on the board. After Peterman has a mental breakdown and moves to Burma, Myanmar, Elaine takes over the company and puts the urban sombrero on the catalog cover. Jerry gets reacquainted with Mulva, Kramer takes up karate. <laughs> karate. And it should be noted, this is the first season without Larry David driving the ship. And this is, uh, I believe, the start of the end fully of the uh, stand-up openings. So yes. Yeah. does not happen uh, in this episode, nor will it in uh, the pre- the next episodes that we at least watch a movie we're recording today. Um, and I think this is, yeah, the absolute end of that. And so. just bef- and before we start, you know, kick this off, I think it's interesting to note, I was watching the behind the scenes on all three of these episodes, wasn't, because uh, we're recording the first three in order, and uh, wasn't much insight other than them talking to Jerry Seinfeld about sort of how he felt about taking this over, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm grateful that Larry taught me everything, you know, I needed to know to get to this point, but obviously kicking off this season... I think he was pretty fucking petrified, you know, having to be the guy that creatively leads the show. But it seems like everybody was behind him and everybody was kind of like supportive of Jerry. And I think he found his footing pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. So we are going to start this episode off in a cemetery. We are at Susan Biddle Ross's grave. (laughs) Did Uh, we know her name was middle name was Biddle all the time, the whole this whole time? I, I don't remember. I feel like maybe we saw, but like, I wonder where they got that name. Yeah. Like it had to come from something, right? That That's like, yeah, that's like one of those old big money names, I think, you know, or like, should I say probably old money sort of names? Maybe. Yeah. I, I had a professor in college named uh, Professor Biddle, um, who was actually, you know, one of my good mentors and, and still friends with him, but uh, he's definitely not old money. And that was his last name, which is sounds like yeah. a normal last name, but that's like her name. That's her middle name. <laughs> well, then my guess is maybe it's a uh, yeah last name. I I have a last name for my middle name. Yeah, it's it's probably so. like it was maybe like her mom's maiden last name or something yeah. like that. They people her do grandmother's that. middle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know that is a very old money thing to do. Just like me, yeah. I'm from so much old money. It's <laughs> what are. we do. Is we <laughs> the spees the the spees down in Georgia, man. Old money, oh, <laughs> so much money. Let me tell you. All right, so um, Susan has a magnificent stone. It's magnificent. Magnificent. Yep, and uh, the Rosses and Jerry kind of uh, are there with George, and they step away at one point to uh, give George some alone time, which he doesn't want. He doesn't need. It's awkward for him. <laughs> so he starts talking about how they swept uh, the Orioles in yeah, four games yeah. in Baltimore. I was like, yeah, Baltimore. Got a Baltimore reference, but, uh, you know, tough to sweep a team – you know, uh, with that has home advantage. Yeah, <laughs> for four straight games, that's pretty intense. Uh, and the mom is uh, over there talking with Jerry and and the dad, and she's just 
drinking out of a flask. So a little callback to her being a lush from the very first time we saw her. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I mean, dude, I never, I remember like in real time when all this happened, I never thought we'd see the Rosses like back after Susan dies and watching it like, I love this. I've always like, like once it sort of happened, I was like, oh, this is actually perfect because this is his hell. This is his comeuppance, you know? Exactly. Like, he was not good to Susan, and we can all agree on that, and Corey and I can attest to it. And, yeah, this is a little bit of the Rosses kind of – maybe they don't know, but they maybe they probably do. They're getting back at George. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, all right. We cut to Jerry's apartment, and uh, he tells Jer- uh, George that he gave them uh, the Rosses a kind of a, a line of, of support, you know, about how Susan will – you know, as long as she lives on in her memory, you know, she's – truly not dead or she you know she she's still alive that kind of thing <laughs> and I love Which how is a like, why, why do i know that and <laughs> yeah. what is it it's uh from star trek 2 the wrath of khan wrath of khan and i love how george like you know snaps his fingers like yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> that's it so um i love this is a great little moment and it's kind of can go quickly where you see george and he's like uh it's a shame when spock died yeah and then you see them both kind of get choked up and they have to get separated. And you're just like, holy shit. I love that because he didn't get choked up at Susan's death. Not one iota. But for Spock, a fictional character, they both had to, like, take a break or else they would have started weeping. Of course. That, I think that's how guys are a lot of times. <laughs> you know, we get invested in athletes and characters and stuff. But when it comes to real emotions, not so much. Now, I do love how... Jerry, one of the two, I forget who it is, I think it was Jerry, references them shooting him out in space in those big sunglass case. I was like, yes. I was like, I always thought that was a sun, looked like a sunglass case as a kid, too. I don't really, I, I don't remember because I haven't, I mean, I've seen Wrath of Khan, I think, a long, long time ago, but I don't remember it. I'm not a Star Trek guy. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't think that you were, but I didn't think you had a problem with it or anything. No, no, but no, I know no. you know, I know you don't really talk about Star Trek much, and I, I know that because I listen to you a lot, whether I'm editing <laughs> this or listening to the blast from our past. I don't really hear Star Trek come up too much with you. Uh, my brother was a big Next Generation guy. Me too. Um, and so if I had to, you know, pick a, a thing that I've seen the most of, it's TNG. Um, and I don't haven't really seen much or hardly any of like the classic original. It's funny because uh, my wife, being 10 years younger, uh, the OG Star Trek is her Star Trek. She grew up watching the shit out of you know Spock and Kirk and Bones and everybody. But for me, man, uh, I was familiar with that stuff back in the day. But TNG is where I really latched into it. And you, me and your brother are pretty much close in age. And yeah, uh, yeah that was it was such a big deal when that came on TV. Oh, yeah. And it's a cool show. And, and, and even when I've gone back and seen it and John and I have talked about it. On Blast from Our Past, it's like, okay, this is a solid-ass show. Yeah, yeah. But I do love all the references in this episode to Star Trek. <laughs> yes, there we go. All right, so George has decided that he has mourned long enough. He, you know, he wants to go out. He wants to get, you know, back to it, baby. And he wants to go see a movie or something tonight, okay? Uh, Kramer pops in, and he lets us all know that, um, you know, he's he's joined Karate. And, you know, he's he's now part of this this greater thing uh, being part of karate. Now, have you ever done a martial art? Yeah, I huh. did uh, ninjutsu back in what? high school. Yeah, dude, I was um, I, I never really lasted that long, but I enjoyed it. Uh, and I probably did it for like a couple years and uh, it was fun. It was cool. It was neat. For some reason, every time I watch anything, be it Cobra Kai or this episode, every time I see a dojo, I can smell it. I know what it smells like. It smells like fucking feet and those plastic mats, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I never re- I've never done um uh, a martial art. You know, I think I probably would have would have enjoyed it. Uh but yeah, I think never would have. Yeah, yeah. Never really got into it, but you know, I I was doing like the um team sports. I was a team sport guy. Yes, and I I was not a big team sport guy. I think my mom just was like, "Got to do something," you know, because I would I would draw all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like planted in front of a TV, but I would just basically do artwork. And I think she just wanted me to do something physical, and I was like, ah, which I understand, and mm-hmm. uh, and I liked it. I did like it, but just not enough to like get yeah. me to go into it, you know, real okay. hard. But I do want to ask uh, Adam, are you watching season four of Cobra Kai right now? Uh, I haven't started it yet because I'm going through season three of Doom Patrol. I'm a little bit behind on that one. Um, so I'm going through that first, 
obviously also watching Book of Boba, which was yeah. something I meant to talk to you about before this recording, but we're going to have to talk we'll about talk it about after right episodes. now. I'm like, it just came to my head like, damn it, why didn't we talk about Book of Boba? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it between episodes because uh, no spoilers. But yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I'm watching Cobra Kai. Uh, Myra and I are almost uh, done with the season. We kind of plowed through it. But uh, it was so nice that I watched this episode right before we started it because in my head I had Kramer being like karate like all the time. Uh -huh. And it just, I don't know, it was a fun little thing in my own head, much to my wife's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. So, all right. Uh, we find out Jerry's got to go pick up Elaine, who's been in Mexico for like the past six weeks, which Kramer's completely oblivious of to course. this situation because he's Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at Monk's, Elaine explains her trip. You know, it was all about trying to get ideas for work and it was all on Peterman's dime. So, hell yeah, six week trip to Mexico to like check out their clothing styles and whatnot. Very cool. Um, Jerry, though, mentions, uh, you know, couldn't she have just gotten the same from tearing open a bag of Doritos and watching Viva Zapata? Zapata? Which <laughs> She's like, I yeah. had to look up. It's an, I, I didn't know what that is. It's an old, um, uh, it's, a, it's an American movie from 1952, but it's a biographical film about the Mexican revolutionary uh, um, Emiliano Zapata, who was uh, part of like the, uh, like the uh, I think, Revolution or War of Independence or something like that. Okay. So. Okay. I, I didn't note. I didn't track any of that because I was too busy looking at Elaine's uh, cleavage. She was very cleavagey in this little. Scene I right didn't here. notice her cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to go back and rewatch. But yeah. no, I did. I <laughs> didn't not? notice. So uh, yeah, and that film stars I think Marlon Brando as oh, Zapata. Okay. Um, you know, he's definitely not Hispanic. He's Italian, of course. Uh, and then Anthony Quinn was also in the movie, um, and the screenplay is actually by John Steinbeck. Oh, so, shit. <laughs> yeah, like a wow. hell of a writer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, holy shit. Uh, I, I like Elaine here asks about, because she's been away for a while, asks about Jerry's fiance. And he's like, what? Who? Who? <laughs> your, your fiance. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we get a flashback about how they broke up, which uh, I, just, I think this is a wonderful little scene where they kind of set up this weird fiance thing at the end of last season. And then this season, they're like, Eh, fuck that storyline. We don't want to go anywhere with that. And so they had this very quick, like, 20-second scene of uh, Jerry and Janine Garofalo sitting at a table, flashing flashing back to it. And they're just like, they look at each other. I hate you. And then they, she just gets up and leaves. And that is it. And it was a perfectly mutual uh, breakup. Exactly. And... It's perfectly, it's perfect for us, the viewers, but it also kind of shoots off, like, like it causes Jerry's storyline, you know, for this episode and everything. Yes. So I, I like that. I liked how that worked out. And we talked about it last season about how yep. we knew it was coming. And now watching it, I, I think it's perfect. They did it. They handled it perfectly. Well, because, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because it's not just they have the scene and then we're moving on to the next thing. It does set up his own storyline here he actually even mentions really quickly oh he hasn't even told his parents we'll get that kind of coming <laughs> back a little bit later yeah. which is a funny just a funny gag but you're right because um you know he's now trying to he will be trying to use that mentality of oh i, I no longer have a fiance as like a as a uh i don't know uh like a, a line to give to people or whatnot to see what story works the best for for getting his yeah. next you know, girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, because, yeah, unlike previous seasons, like, it, it already seen, and obviously you you and I watched the first three episodes. We're going to review them all in order. So we know that this one, this season kind of has a bit more connective tissue uh, than, than previous seasons. Now, I don't mm -hmm. know yet if it's going to have as much connective tissue as season seven with the whole, you know, Susan thing. That was the biggest connective tissue that we've mm -hmm. ever seen and like a complete season long arc for, for George and Susan. Um, but we do see these first three episodes. There is a lot of connection between them and it kind of spins from Jerry's, you know, the breakup with his fiance. Yeah. You're right, because I was actually talking about a later episode, and I wasn't even thinking about that. I, and I knew what you were talking about. It's the next yeah. episode, but it's still it's still connected to Jerry's breakup, yep. which is, yeah, now they're creating this ongoing yes. narrative. So, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, 
And with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. At Jay Peterman's, uh, Jay, Jay Peterman is talking to these different writers trying to get, you know, the ideas for the catalog about, you know, what uh, what what uh, kind of different piece of clothing they're trying to pitch. Um, you know, it's, it's not going so well. Elaine has an idea for an hat for a hat called the Urban Sombrero. <laughs> but Peterman is out of it right now. Um, he's just he's he's kind of not focused and he just ends up acting weird and he gets up and he just walks out. <laughs> I love Peterman's meltdown, but I don't understand the 80-yard moan as he's leaving the room. Like, he leaves the room, and and I guess they just decided, you know, we needed to add something there. But I was found it a little distracting, the weird moan. Other than that, I love his meltdown. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he's just... Oblivious out. to everybody and just like fuck this, I'm I'm piecing out. Yeah, he's just he's at the end. He is fucking. He's an yeah. artist. I mean, you know, I mean, Peterman's I think a creative. If you think about the character, yeah. I think he's a creative guy. And I think that you know, there's probably the stress of of having to run this this now this magazine for so long on on top of him being a creative. He's just he's burnt out. I don't think he probably ever wanted to be the head of like a, of a magazine like this. You know. Wow, that's deep into the actual, (laughs) like, storyline of Peterman's past. I kind of just basically inserted my own mentality into that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I I don't know. I just felt, like, very connected to Peterman in this moment. Okay. I like it. (laughs) So uh, Jerry and George are on the street. Uh, George, super excited for his freedom. You know, he's just – he's got a whole new lease on life. Uh, They then see – Dolores I forgot on she came back. She came back yeah. this like I totally forgot. I also completely forgot played by Susan Walters, same person yep. um who we know as Mulva as well. <laughs> but um you know when she kind of talks about Jerry, oh I thought you uh, had a fiance and he's like oh no 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 we we broke it off. Uh and she's like oh you know what? We should get together. Huh. So that engagement um must have shown people that he can go all the way. Not not the guys all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got the stink of responsibility on me. <laughs> I exactly. love that line. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, now that he has kind of shown he's willing to take that step, uh, some of the women in his past who always assumed that he is too much of a man-child uh, to, com- to make a real commitment see a glimpse of that in him. And so maybe, you know, he can start reapproaching some of those ladies. So yeah, so he's gonna start with the start with Mulva. Why not? Why not? Why not? He, he never. I mean, he never got a chance to get to any bases with her. I don't think, right? Like, no, I, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I think they were about to like make <laughs> yeah. out or something, and then she was <laughs> like, "What's my name?" Yeah, <laughs> Mulva. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Peterman calls Elaine. Yeah, and here he just explains he is burnt 
out. He can't handle the pressures of this uh, magazine anymore. So he puts her in charge because why not? <laughs> why, why not indeed? <laughs> <laughs> and we find out he's in Burma uh, slash Myanmar. And he says it will always be Burma to him. I don't understand why they made such a big deal to call it Burma over Myanmar. But yeah, whatever. It's a Peterman thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, at the apartment, um, you know, Elaine worries about being in charge you know she's never been the boss of something like this and jerry agrees with her you know it's kind of a tough situation she's probably not uh, ready for it and then kramer comes in and he helps motivate her um you know that she should take the lead because uh, he has learned something from his uh karate teachings that he has found his katra <laughs> and she's like his what is katra <laughs> And whatever it is, it is uh, Sammy Davis Jr. had it. Had, yeah, had it. We know did. that. He did. I don't know what the hell that was about. I know. Um, well, because it's it's. He said it's your soul. So Sammy Davis uh, Jr. had soul essentially. Yeah, sure. Uh, and he, but ultimately, Kramer does convince Elaine that she should be confident and she should take charge. Yeah, so and she's she's down. And I love how she gets built up. She's like, I can do this. And she's like, he kind of like moves her out the door because she's like on her way. And she turns around. She's like. I can do this and like looking at them and he just like, yeah, you can. And just slams the door in her face. It's that that's a good piece of physical comedy right there. It is. It is. I love it when those, yeah, we've had a lot of good door slam moments in Seinfeld yeah. and they work every single time, every time. And we're going to get so. one. I think next episode, we're going to get a door moment with George in the chair and everything. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. So. All right. Uh, we then see, the same kid that we saw in The Wait Out. I was going to uh, ask, is that the one from The Wait Out? It, it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. Same kid who thought Kramer was Frankenstein. Yep. Uh, and Mickey swapped places with him in the bed. Uh, that is the same kid. And he calls for Kramer to go to karate. Uh, karate. Karate. And uh, Jerry's like, huh, uh, you guys have karate at the same time? He's like, no, we're in the same class. <laughs> and here as, <laughs> as audience members, we find out. Holy shit, Kramer's fighting children. <laughs> and, dude, apparently, this, like, the writers, the one of the writers, this was one of their friends. Like, they literally, they were like, we had a buddy who, like, was just, you know, crushing in karate. He was, like, moving up the ranks, and then he was always talking about it. And then one day, like, a year later, we find out that, like, he's fighting kids. Like, he's in, like, the kids' class, but he's, like, a grown adult. And literally, this was real life for the writers. They're all at the same skill level, Corey. Yeah, I know. That's, I love that that's the idea behind it. Is they're all the yeah. same skill level. Yeah. I mean, he could just wring their necks. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. I know. So we got a kind of cute little scene. Kramer being childish in the car because uh, uh, that one kid's mom is driving. And I didn't check to see if it was the same mom that was in the wait out as well, but she's driving them to karate and they're talking about juice boxes and I don't know. They're, he's just acting like, like a big, big dumb kid. And it's cute, which I like, but I do like the fact that he's drinking a high C cooler. Now I did pause it to see if it was an ecto cooler. Unfortunately it was not. Now I don't remember when those ended, but I mean, this was 96, so they yeah, might've been gone off I think, the shelf by then. I think so. I think they were gone mid, mid to early nineties. Yeah. So, uh, then we see him in class obliterating these children. And it is just funny because he's just tossing them around. He's like judo chopping them. They're little fucking kids. And like Michael Richards, is a tall guy already. And just seeing yeah. him imposing onto them is a fantastic scene. And I do love how the instructor was like, you know, he, he before he sort of starts the first one, which leads into the, the, you know, the montage, he, he goes, uh, are you prepared for Kumite? And I was like, <laughs> That's blood sport. I mean, that's yeah, Kumite. Kumite. I was oh like, that's. A, I don't know if that's like a reference or if that was they just threw it in for fun. But I was like, Kumite. That's blood sport. It is, man. I love blood sport. Yeah, me too. That's a great Kumite. Movie. Kumite. Kumite. <laughs> uh, at George's apartment, uh, George is just you know a slobbing single guy right now. And then Ross's show up. I do like that he's shirtless. He's, he's shirtless, just... and he's got such a hairy chest but then his nipples have no hair and they're like pink it's really it's really disturbing looking i'm not i mean props to jason alexander for going shirtless like on television like that yeah. but like if i had his body i would not have the courage 
I mean, I I'm fatter than him, uh, and I certainly not, don't have the courage. It's not the fatness; it's the fact that his nipples are so pink and prominent. <laughs> it's what that's what's weird. You couldn't get that image out of your I head. I can't. Huh? I can't. It's, it's bur- I mean, it's honestly, it's been burned into my brain ever since '96. Ever since yeah. I saw this episode. There we go. They are pink and perfectly hairless, and then everything else weird. is like a sweater. <laughs> so, all right. Um, uh, you know, he talks with the Ross. I like how he puts on like this just jacket that he had, but he's still shirtless. Uh, you know, and the Rosses all talk about, oh, no, you know, it's a shame when a parent has to lose a child. And I do like his response just because we know his relationship with his parents. He says, I hope my parents go long before I do. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know you do. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, well, we find out that the Rosses are creating a foundation, um, you know, kind of putting some of their money into, um, you know, a foundation that, that can help people down the line in Ross in, in Susan's name. And they want George to be an integral part of it and be on the board of directors. And uh, if we also find out that uh, Jerry's um, wonderful words of wisdom uh, helped them come to this conclusion. And they're, they're like, oh, you know, something about uh, if there's a light and, you know, she's shining or Ah, fuck it, whatever. It's whatever it is. And they laugh it off, and they couldn't even remember what the hell the words were. It doesn't even matter. But, like, so my whole thing is, when we were talking earlier, do you think that they did this on purpose or not? He did say we did it because of Jerry's words of inspiration. I almost kind of wish they'd left that out, because I do like the idea that this was, they were like, fuck George, we're going to do this to him, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I could see that. I think maybe... um, I would say at least putting George on the board of directors is 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 the fuck you. You know, creating the thing isn't the fuck you. It's okay. forcing George to, uh, you know, to be part of it and right. to keep um I think that's the real fuck you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So they were like, "Oh, let's do the Oh, it's great. Let's make Oh, but let's put George on it because fuck you." Okay. Because yeah, because he we, you know, so it still works. Jerry's idea incepted yes. them, but then they were like, oh, we're going to use this. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I absolutely think that. Okay. So uh, at Monk's, George sees Jerry. Did you notice the very slow kind of bass music? Like the the, the music that music that they had just felt kind of different. They kind of slowed it down um, a little bit, kind of like it was off. But it is because George is not happy. Okay. Um, you know, because uh, he, he's upset with Jerry for giving the Rosses this idea. Yeah, but I, I didn't pick up on that musical cue. Okay. And now I'm wondering how many sort of musical cues I have missed, you know, during... It was so different. It just felt different. I don't know why I picked on the... I, well, I, I picked up on it because it felt like it was a very different music cue than okay. most. Because most of the time, you just go... Or whatever. This one was like... Boom, okay. Boom. It just felt slowed down, like artificially, yeah. to where it felt off to me. Okay. I think I was probably too fixated on, right before George walks in, Jerry's just like staring straight ahead. And I was like, man, <laughs> that's what it was like before we all had cell phones in our pockets. You would go and you yeah. would eat and you would just stare. If no one was in front of you, just stare. <laughs> true. <laughs> it's very true. So yeah, George comes in and he uh, mentions you know hey that uh, whole wrath of Khan bit uh really got them to do to uh to make this whole thing make this foundation as he is grabbing a little squirt thing of mustard and just squeezing it into jerry's coffee and i like jerry's face jerry like not with it missing a beat he doesn't look like a frown he's just kind of like huh looking down huh look back up at george he's like huh, something wrong something's wrong <laughs> <laughs> i love it because he doesn't get phased by it because like no. i don't know most people would get angry be like hey what are you doing but it's more funny that he's just like huh what's uh what's going on buddy you know type of scenario yeah. and i love that and i love that part of their relationship because i think you can only do that to somebody squirt mustard in their into their coffee if you've been lifetime friends like if you if you want them not to just explode on you you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think you can only do that if you've been lifelong friends yeah yeah i agree uh so yeah george is pulled back in uh you know he he couldn't get fully away from susan and we get you know an epic Con scream from George. Con yeah. as the camera pulls up and kind of twists and rotates, um, kind of supposedly, you know, emulating Shatner's con scream 
from uh, Wrath of Khan from that movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool, and that is obvious. It's so clip worthy. Like we've seen it yeah. a million times. Um, but I do love that there is this. <laughs> multiple times mentioned that that George just wants to eat a block of cheese as like like you know that's like his idea of 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 like you know bachelor paradise but I love when Jerry goes uh before we go any further I want to point out how disturbing it is that you equate eating a block of cheese with some sort of bachelor paradise I just thought that that dialogue was so good dude he's dead on though yeah I mean fuck I ate a block of cheese like a couple days ago <laughs> <laughs> not like not like one of those big ass block of like cheap cheddars, yeah. but I did buy like a, a nice. Oh, there's a red Lester. Oh, it's so good. But I got like the, you know like a regular size yeah. square thing or whatever of it. Did and you bite into it like an apple? I didn't bite into it like an apple. Like I talked about, I had slices because I had different crackers. Yeah, and so I was just eating it off crackers. But I ate the whole fucking thing in one day. So. Dude, I am lactose intolerant. That would kill me, even with my uh, my pills. Oh God, no! Oh, I feel so bad for you because a, a good like sharp cheddar or something like that is so good to me. I love it. If uh, if you get a chance, do you have any Trader Joe's around you? Uh, I have to go up to Atlanta. You, so it's like probably like an hour plus away. If you find yourself conveniently in a Trader Joe's, check out their uh, the, the cheese is called Unexpected Cheddar. It is literally the best cheese I've ever had in my entire life. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's worth taking your pills for. Oh yeah, and and yes, I by the way, I eat cheese and I eat tuna and mayo and stuff, but I have to take a pill every single time, you know. So I I don't <laughs> so, not eat cheese. I just think yeah. eating a whole block of cheese would eat, no no pills would save me from that. I mean, that is only said from somebody who uh, has to deal with stuff. For yeah. people who don't have issues, oh, it's so worth it. It's, it's so, so good. worth it. Cheese is the best. <laughs> it is. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> All right. So we get to the foundation and George is just staring at this painting of Susan, which is beautiful, so creepy. Beautiful painting, though. It's, it's a really oh, it's a nice well painting. done painting. And they got the um, I, for, I just forgot her name. Sorry, guys. But uh, they, they got the actresses to sign off on it. Like they showed it to oh, her. Nice before basically doing it and she was like oh this is nice and you know basically got yeah. her got her okay for it oh yeah it's a solid painting but it's just kind of creepy seeing yeah, her yeah. again <laughs> it's life-size it's life-size yeah it's huge uh and we meet uh the chairman of the foundation wick fair what do you uh, think was he called wank well, yeah yeah oh uh, no wink wink like wink, wink like wink, wink, wink martindale yeah wick <laughs> Uh, played by Bruce Davison, who I think majority uh, people would recognize, I would I recognize from. He played Senator Kelly in the X Men franchise, uh, X Men, the first X Men, and X Men Two. That's the only note I have for him. Yep, yeah. that's exactly. Every <laughs> okay. time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Senator Kelly. He turns into water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, George finds out that he would have been given a sizable portion of the Ross's estate. Well, they do have many monies, after all. <laughs> many monies. Many. Uh, including, like, the townhouse that's now the, uh, you know, where they're holding these meetings and just a whole bunch of shit. So, uh, at Monk's, Dolores debates the whole mutual breakup story from Jerry. She doesn't believe it. She thinks he's lying. She thinks it's all bullshit. Uh, but it's not. We know it's not. But she doesn't see the growth, which I love how Jer Jerry's like, 
Well, that may be so. <laughs> yeah. But this is a true story. Uh, and <laughs> this she is says, true. <laughs> yeah. But she's pretty much fuck it and she leaves. I love it when Jerry can even admit, I'm, I'm not an adult. You're yeah. right in, in not finding any growth here, but I'm not lying either. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. Uh, at the apartment, Jerry rushes to answer the phone because uh, it was calling when he kind of got back. And we get a, please hold for Elaine Bennis. I don't believe this. I love his little line. Like, oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Because he knows that she is now in charge. And I got this is another great. Uh, maybe it's not clip show, but this is just a memorable scene from Elaine while she is in Peterman's office, which is now kind of her office. And she's got a cigar in her mouth and the magazine. It's a peach. It's a peach. It's a, <laughs> it's a peach. She is just she looks so good with that you know, uh, cigar in her mouth way better than pretty much any of them. Even maybe even better than, than Michael Richards does. We talked about that every time she smokes a cigar, we love it. And I think this right here is what I'm always picturing in my head. Yeah. Yep. I agree. This is the one I come back to. Yep. Like this is the, I, I, you know, the, the moment that I'm just like, ah, yes. Yep. Um, I love, cylindrical things in julia louise dreyfus's mouth <laughs> yeah oh man <laughs> oh god hey, is this the sleaze season of sleaze part two i don't know we, but we're coming in continue. hot <laughs> well yeah you brought in the 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 uh cleavage which i didn't even notice uh, <laughs> she looks great this episode what can i say oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely so uh but yeah she's gotten a big head you know because now she's in charge and you know what kramer believed in her and you know she used to think he was a doofus now she thinks Jerry is the doofus because Jerry didn't think or didn't believe in her. And uh, Jerry's like, you know what? Maybe you should go uh, say thank you and go talk to Kramer in person. She's like, you know, I'm going to go do that. And so he tells her that he's at karate class and tells her where it's at. So she goes down there and sees Kramer just annihilating these children, <laughs> dominating them. And, you know, she's like, them. what are you doing? And he says, dominating. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. Um, and so we find he finds out. We find out here that he... Uh, wasn't actually motivating her with, you know, teachings of karate. Uh, he was motivating her with lines from Star Trek three, which, <laughs> which he says is the better Star Trek movie. And I like, I was like, now, you know, Jerry will tell you that the Wrath of Khan is the better film. I was like, okay, yeah. okay. I like now, it. It's I, fun. It's fun. It is fun. So, uh, Jerry, then we see doing some AB testing with different people from monks. Uh, we've got Larry, the manager, We've seen him before, Ruthie Cohen, of course. Uh, Lauren Bowles, who's the actual actress, uh, she's a waitress we've seen many times. She's yeah. the one who actually does like the flick off. Yeah, uh, is, with, to George, that I think is what we remember her best from. Um, and then there's another one. The actress's name is Peggy Lane. She's been in um, multiple episodes as well, but she's probably like the least known. But it was nice. My note here is it's nice seeing the entire monk staff sort of yeah. all together at one. And they all I think they all had a speaking line. So maybe yeah. they were getting them like getting everybody their sad cards like as a thank you, like in this first episode or something, if they didn't already have it or something, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But but yeah, I liked it. I like seeing it. I agree. It was good to see some of these like background characters who you rarely see. Um, and then kind of come back and being like, OK, now, yeah, they're actually having some kind of interaction with our main our main guy. So, and I love that Larry, the manager, is just fed up with this shit because he's always been kind of a grump. Yeah. He yeah. was the one who uh, doesn't allow outside condiments yep. or yep. whatever and other things like that. Um, and we've seen him around a few times, but yeah, I just love he just he just seems like a crotchet. He's yeah. just a crotchety guy. He is. He is. <laughs> uh, then uh, Kramer gets taken to a dark alley by uh, his uh, karate friend. And he gets jumped. The kids go in and swarm him, and they kick his ass. Yeah, they're little Just fists. <laughs> little, yeah, little fists of fury. Um, and you got to appreciate that because yeah. you know it's yeah. just. I mean, they, they're getting. They, he's getting it back from kicking their asses. No, I, th I think it's great. I think it's a great comeuppance. Yeah. At the apartment, uh, Jerry is on the phone quickly. We cut to him. He's talking to his uh, dad. We don't see Morty's side of it. We just see Jerry's side. And it just at the end of the conversation, oh, by the way, I'm not getting married. And then hangs up. And then the it calls back, which we know is either <laughs> yeah. is either him or probably Helen who yeah, called immediately right away. back. <laughs> and he just yanks the cord out of the uh, fucking telephone or the wall pretty much. That was perfect. I love that little moment. I agree. Uh, Lane comes in. Uh, how's her confidence? It's shot. Um, who's the doofus? Right here. Right she here. is. <laughs> so, yeah, she has um, kind of been ruined 
by uh, seeing Kramer's idiocy, which is kind of, you know, unfortunate because, you know, she's still, she, you know, should be just doing her thing. But like all of her, uh, you know, the, should, the person... should she, though, because she put the urban sombrero <laughs> on the cover. So should no. she? OK, she should until we saw the urban sombrero, which she pulls out right here. <laughs> and it is just a gigantic sombrero. It's and it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck would wear that? Uh, <laughs> it's and I, you know, it's funny. I got uh, a, co- a cousin of mine gave me a Jerry Funko for Christmas. Um, I don't have a lot of Funkos. I don't I don't collect them. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I do have a couple. Mostly have been gifted to me. Um, I looked on the back of it, and they have two lanes. They have one normal lane, and then one with the Urban Sombrero. It's like, wow. So, And I saw that before I even watched this episode, and I was like, man, so like, this is this is this big of a moment. Like the Urban Sombrero mm-hmm. is is so big that they actually gave Elaine two like molds, you know, sculpts for for a Funko, one with the Urban Sombrero. I mean, that's that's pretty big, you know. But then I'm watching this episode and it is pretty big. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the hat is pretty big, but at the same time, like what it's doing <laughs> yes. like to her career or whatever, and what yeah. it kicks off. Because if correct me if I'm wrong, I think he sees it. Later on in the season, Peterman comes back and he sees it. It's because of the urban sombrero, I think. That might be. I can't. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. So it's just. I don't know. It was just an interesting thing going into this episode, knowing that Funko decided to make like two lanes and yeah. one of them was with the urban sombrero. I was like, okay. It just. I guess it caused me to pay more attention to what yeah. the urban sombrero does for the storyline for her. Fair enough. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big Funko guy myself either. I just, I don't care about him. But oh, props to people who like him. No big dirty. Yeah. Good for you. Because um, jo- Jerry, there's a regular Jerry, and I think there's a puffy shirt Jerry, right? Yeah, the, yes. And I have the regular Jerry, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. But yeah, the Urban Sombrero is uh, particularly important. Yeah, but it is, yeah. It's, it's very but, nice. Good good pop culture uh, moment here. Now, now if so, it was me, I would have made my the second Elaine uh, one having a bird hitting her head. Oh. <laughs> Okay. It's like that bird just yeah. flew right in your head. I think that's season eight. I think that's season eight yeah, or nine. We will see, we'll see it soon. Point. All right. We're in season okay. eight. <laughs> we are. Yeah, exactly. We'll be there very shortly. So uh, in comes Kramer. He's beaten to all hell, uh, thanks to the kids. And he is uh, looking for George, who is actually at the foundation. And then Jerry makes the realization because Kramer kind of mentioned about, oh, yeah, no, his widower story. And that's the story. This is it. Jerry's figured it out. This is going to be the story that uh, people would relate to and appreciate the most. Not his, you know, oh, we had a mutual breakup. Um, But yeah, the widower one. So he wants George to come over, but he can't. He is stuck at the office. Uh, And while they are in the foundation, you know, just hearing about all their different, you know, how much money everything is worth. We do get a nice little callback to Susan's doll collection. Yeah. And it, it is worth 2.6 million. And, you know, they're trying to break up the assets and figure out what to do with them. And they're like, okay, let's do this one doll by doll. So they know they're going to be there for a long time. And I do like so. when George is like hanging up the phone. Jerry's like, he equates it to something with like, you know, the cheese thing. But I like, I was like, cheese, George, cheese. cheese. So, cause he wants George to work you know, use that, use his line to get ladies. Cause they're both single now. Yeah. So they can both do it. There's two pretty girls at the monks at the diner and they're both eating grilled cheese. That's right. He's a like, cheese, George cheese. <laughs> and George so. just hangs up. <laughs> uh, and then we get this episode being in memory of Marjorie gross. So uh, Marjorie Gross is a writer. Uh, she wrote four episodes of Seinfeld, The Fusilli Jerry, The Understudy, The Showerhead, and The Secretary. Okay. Um, she also wrote for Newhart and The Larry Sanders Show, and she died from ovarian cancer. Oof. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, next episode we get an, another in memoriam too. So we'll yeah. talk about that, him then. Um, but yes, we will. Yeah, that's I, I, it was, I was kind of blown away by, by the second one, like two of them back to back like that. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, um, and I was actually kind of surprised. After that memoriam, they came back for a tag. Yeah. After the- <laughs> and I was like, really? This this is kind of interesting. But there's a tag of a lane on a bus, and some people are talking the urban sombrero and how it ruined their lives. And I'm just like, eh, yeah. I didn't really need this one. And yeah. it was particularly kind of strange after that memoriam. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. But... I will say this was a fun episode. I enjoyed kicking off season eight like this. Uh, I don't think it was perfect, and I'll give you my score in a second. Um, But I do think it was a lot of fun. I think that this could have gone 
any which way wrong that it possibly could have gone without Larry David, you know, running the show now. And I think that the fact that they were able to land such a strong episode right out of the gate, uh, I think is a, is a great sign for, for the season to come. Um, like I said, it's not perfect. I, as much as I love what Kramer is doing and it does sort of connect to like Elaine and everything, it still does feel like this like outside connection thing like this. It feels like, Oh, we need to give Kramer something to do. So here's this, you know? So it it feels a little bit disconnected, but not totally because it does have relations to, to Elaine. Um, but I love how they bring, they brought back Mulva. I love how they wrap up Jerry's, you know, uh, the, the, his, his, uh, fiance thing being engaged Mm -hmm. that was great and you know i thought the the episode just moved along at a fun and enjoyable pace uh we got the you know we got the freaking con like this is the famous jason alexander you know screaming con and all this kind of stuff and there's a lot of moments in this that are that are huge but it's not my most favorite episode, um, but I do think it's way above par, so or mid 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 ground or whatever you want to say, uh, middle. So I'm going to give this episode 3.5 Bachelor Paradises out of five. <laughs> Blocks of cheese, baby. Blocks of cheese. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed myself with this episode. Um, the karate ridiculousness of Kramer. You're right. It is kind of just off on its own. Um Jerry diving into the dating scene and that kind of research was probably the weakest of the storylines for me. I would have liked a little bit more for Jerry to do that, that integrated more with the other characters. Um, so that was a, a little bit of a knock for me. Um, Elaine heading the J. Peterman catalog and falling on her face. I think I, I mean, I really liked it. I loved, you know, that's a, that's a peach of a storyline <laughs> yeah. right there. Um, George, who was so happy and thought he was free being dragged back in. I, Obviously, definitely appreciated that. Um, but yeah, and I think that these breaks probably get me more excited for Seinfeld. So, you know, we have like a you know a week break in between. And then it's like, oh, man, I haven't talked to Corey in a while. And then I get back to him just like, yeah, I'm super excited. Woo! And so maybe these first episodes I tend to score higher, but I don't give a shit. I was a happy man watching this one. Um, yeah, not perfect, but pretty damn good. I gave it 4.5 out of 5. Creepy Susan Paintings. <laughs> good one, good one. Wow. All right. That's a that's a point uh, point yeah. difference, but that's that's okay. It's a great episode. Any which way you cut it. Yes. And uh, guys and gals, if you're listening to this on the free feed, uh, just keep in mind that the next episode will be Patreon exclusive. And if you would like to listen to that episode and every single episode of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash Cartwright and for just one freaking measly dollar a month you can get every single episode in our back catalog and every episode that's coming up that is Patreon exclusive and if you uh, also love Curb Your Enthusiasm, you can bump it up to $5 a month and Adam and I are about by the time you're listening to this, about uh, I think halfway through season three of Curb, so we're Mm -hmm. rocking and rolling over there we are just in love with everything larry david and jerry seinfeld (laughs) yeah we are loving them i am almost as much in love with them as i am with podcasting after dark that is a show i just can't get enough (laughs) of man could you please tell us a little bit about podcasting after dark of course yes we uh podcast after dark is a show that uh me and our pal zach uh do and we talk about cult movies um from the 70s 80s and 90s and we also interview celebrities we just uh we actually guys and gals uh we interviewed dd pfeiffer who was in vamp but you all know her as the the girl that hit on George in the opposite episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the one that you know that he that that is the exact same uh, thing that I just ordered. Yeah, yeah, that one. So, and so when I interviewed her, obviously we talked a lot about Vamp and everything, uh, the 1984 movie Vamp with Grace Jones. Uh, but we did talk about Seinfeld and like her casting process. Apparently, she went in and 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 inter- uh, not interviewed, but auditioned like multiple times that she kept getting called back and uh she was like i don't think they like me but her man her agent was like well no they keep bringing you back they just haven't found the right role for you but uh she was very sweet and very fun uh to talk to so um if cult movies aren't your thing maybe
maybe go check out, at least check out the D.D. Pfeiffer interview because there is some Seinfeld goodness in that. But you should also be checking out the Blast from Our Past oh. podcast. Oh, enough. Oh, that's enough, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a podcast I do with my brother, uh, but also our pal, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yes. He's, he is my friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's my brother and friend, sure. Uh, but yeah, we do. Uh, we're kind of the light side to the uh, dark cult side that is Corey. If they are, um, you know, the Sith, we are the Jedi, yeah. if you will. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing a little bit more of the movies that are in the light, a little bit more mainstream. Um, not not nothing but mainstream stuff, but still, you know, they usually have a nostalgic value to John or myself. But, you know, we're usually doing like the bigger pop culture stuff. There's but, been a uh, couple of guys... Venn diagram crossover of movies. I was like, you've done it. I'm like, I could have done I would have done that on pad too. Yeah. Yeah. We actually just recorded um, an episode uh, that should be out before this comes out is uh, The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Do you oh. remember that from 1964? With, with um, Don Knotts, right? As yes, the fish. With Don Knotts. That is literally one of my favorite uh, Disney, like, Disney movies as in back in the day when they weren't just all animated films, you know, I yeah, watched yeah. the hell out of that. And I saw John posting a picture on his Facebook that he was, yeah. I can't wait for that episode, bro. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy it, my man. <laughs> and, so. and of course, guys and gals, please, please, please check out every every show on the BFOP network, sometimes lovingly referred to as... The BFOP Network. <laughs> or the B Fop. Hey, good job. Hey, good job I, right there. You see? We flipped it. That's right. I mean, I've heard you do it a billion times. So check yeah. out uh, Action Action. Check out check out Talking Back. Uh, check out People Don't Forget. Check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. Uh, check out all those shows. We are having a blast from all of our pasts over there. Yes. And so, and we yeah. appreciate all you all. We appreciate all the support that we, you, uh, you guys have given us. And given our friends, our other podcasts as well. So thank you all. Thank y'all. And we will see y'all next week when we talk The Soulmate. Everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? Uh, I'm sorry, Corey. That's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast.